This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the latest episode of the Total Saints podcast. We're the weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Southampton Football Club. We're once again live streaming this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. If you're watching along tonight, then please do leave your questions and comments as we go. As many of you will know, it is, of course, Halloween this weekend. To mark that in style, a ghost of TSP past has been rolled out to host tonight. Yes, my name is Ben Stanfield, and alongside me are a scary set of bloodthirsty opinionators. It's Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda LaCour, the man behind the weekly League One Minus 10 blog, and Jacob Townswell, the dedicated Southampton FC reporter for The Athletic. Before we get going, a massive thank you, as always, to our incredibly loyal global TSP patrons. We genuinely couldn't produce this podcast without your continued support. We're also delighted to have NordVPN sponsoring this week's episode. Did you know that NordVPN is the fastest VPN on the market? Well, it's true. If you didn't know what a VPN is, it can do so much for you. From keeping your data secure on public Wi-Fi, giving you access to the internet, and even allowing you to access your favorite streaming websites from anywhere in the world, giving you much more content to enjoy. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash totalsaints, where you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. I know Steve is a big fan and a subscriber, so why not sign up today as well? Even better, it's all completely risk-free, as Nord have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Crikey, sign up this weekend, and wherever you are, you could easily find and watch that favorite Halloween horror film that you've been thinking about. Further details, including that link just sent, can be found in the show's notes for the podcast, as well as the YouTube description. Right, coming up on this week's TSP, a week that has, of course, seen a Saints fan installed as the UK's new Prime Minister, and that's exactly where we'll leave all the political chat. Saints prove predictable prey for the Eagles. High-flying Newcastle United prepare to visit St Mary's. And thankfully, one facet of the club does continue to march on. Yes, we'll have the latest on Saints women's team. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 212 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. 
it was yet another frustrating away day for Saints this weekend, losing 1-0 to Crystal Palace. Glenn, just like the Villa and Wolves games, a solitary goal late in the first half alongside some toothless attacking from us, enough to secure all three points for the home side. Uh, I think the, the word that I kept seeing was predictable. Yeah, yeah, we lose or we learn. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Villa game, the Wolves game, the Palace game, they've kind of been incredibly similar from the point of view of we've played against teams that have come into it with not a lot of confidence and we've just sat back passively and, and let them play their way into the game. Every time we were 1-0 down at half time and in the and in the second half of all three games we were we were slightly better but couldn't you know couldn't get back into it. And um yeah it was it was just it was just poor. I wasn't I wasn't remotely surprised by the starting lineup because Ralph's got a habit of doing that. He um we played reasonably well against Arsenal so he he picks basically the the side that did well in the second half um, for the next game, which is, you know, okay, on one hand, you're rewarding the players who did well, but on on the other hand, it's a completely different assignment. It reminded me very much of like when we beat Arsenal last year and he picked the same team, same tactics to play Burnley away the following week and we were garbage. So, yeah, not impressed. I think the the first five minutes were okay, but then sort of minutes six to 45 were as bad as it's been this season. And that's a pretty low bar. Anyway, so yeah, one nil down. Second half, yeah, did the obvious thing, brought on Maitland-Niles, who made quite a big difference, I thought, when he came on. We seemed to play 10 yards further up the pitch, and what do you know, we caused them problems. But you know, we missed we missed the chances again, and um, I I would have been, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I never expected us to score, but I would have been surprised if we had. There was never, you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's going to be in the next couple of minutes. So it was just, it was just kind of limp, and it was, it was so disappointingly similar to those to those other two games. And I don't know whether to put it down to the tactics, whether Ralph's been damaged by previous failures, where we've, you know, we've tried to play for the whole ninety minutes at hundred miles an hour, and and you can't win games in the Premier League only playing for forty five minutes, and um, it's it's happening too often, I'm afraid. And um, I know we got five points in a week a couple of weeks ago, but this this seems like a, a major step backwards. Steve, as Glenn said there, it did get better in the second half or less worse, I suppose. But that first 45 minutes was almost a, a crescendo of chaos, wasn't it? Um, it was up until to, up until a point, I think, because at the end of the day, while it felt as if Palace were streaming all over us, actually the back line as a sort of last line of defence actually did really well, I thought. Um, the number of actual chances that they created, despite um, seemingly sort of carving, a, carving us open all the time. I think Bazunus had one save to make. And they flashed a couple of crosses across the face of goal where nobody's really nobody's been throwing themselves throwing themselves at it. And I mean the, the yeah, I mean the goal was frustrating that Lianco thinks he's gonna get a foul, doesn't get the foul, and all of a sudden we're we're kind of I think we've got probably two or three players who are because we're on the ball, we're we're caught the wrong kind of the wrong side of things and never never really adjust properly. But it's I I didn't think that Palace were as good as people were making out, there was a, there was a lot of oh they're they're absolutely all over us. They're um, this this Palace team is really good, and we've been absolutely absolutely dreadful. I mean we we struggled to get out because they were because they were using up all of their energy in the first half by pressing us high pressing us high and forcing us into into giving the ball away. And what what we basically lacked in that first half was just a cool head and a little bit of patience. When actually you could you could play a play a little a little triangle around around that high press 
and we've done it before. We've done it in games earlier this season and certainly in previous years with different personnel. And I mean, you'd argue some of those players are less less comfortable with the ball at their feet. Players like Bednarek and, and Stevens, who used to always get flustered when they were when they were put under pressure. And yet we I don't remember us giving away many goals when we were when we were playing out from the back. Um so I I think part of it just a lack of lack of patience, maybe a lack of confidence in their own their own first touch, perhaps. I guess when when you're in the in the sort of league position that we're in, where you're not getting that many wins, there is a tendency to kind of play safety first, and therefore the ball is going to end up eventually after you've played played a few passes around. If the pressure's still coming, the ball's going to go back to the keeper, and it's going to go long. But all that's all that's doing is it's inviting inviting them to come onto you again. So it's um it's frustrating. But I mean, as as we said, I mean, second half is a lot better. We create created a lot of chances in that second half especially in the last, what, 20, 25 minutes or so. And that was that was largely as a result of Palace not pressing, pressing us anymore after half-time because they, they'd obviously run their race in the first half. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, if we'd been able to spend £30 million on a centre-forward with a slightly better conversion rate than than our current 15 million pound center forward then then we'd have we'd have at least drawn that game if not won it because we were all over him second half really Jacob you were there I was following your your live tweets it almost felt inevitable that the goal was coming from the way you were were tweeting and talking about Palace sort of getting in between the lines and things like that I I suppose the question lots of Saints fans and I can already see lots of comments coming in which is great you know the likes of Ellie talking about the midfield being atrocious and things like that were you surprised that Ralph didn't change things sooner and you know I, I, I suppose there's always been this air around him and it's not just Ralph obviously that he sometimes is, is a bit arrogant to maybe admit things are going wrong and, you know, could have whipped off the Arlo and brought someone on, for example. So were you surprised he didn't change it sooner? Because it felt to all of us, certainly you that were there, that the goal was coming. I was. I don't think you even had to make a sub. You could just reshuffle it a little bit, just tweak the system. I remember a couple of years back against Bournemouth at home, he changed the system three times because it wasn't working. So he, he has had, had a history of being proactive. But the thing about Ralph, and I think a lot of people say this, uh, you know, close to the club is that when one formation works and he stumbles across something that works, he tends to go with it next game and the next game after that, regardless of the, the team they play and the formation. You know, so for example, the back three, you know, with Lianco and Elianusi down the right side worked at Arsenal. He thought he'd go again against Leicester. Shea Adams came on. He thought from now on, we're going to kick it long. We're going to get round him. So he stumbles across these schemes, these different systems. And you you know, for the next two, three games, he uses it until a bad defeat comes. He, so <laughs> this is a bad defeat. And, you know, Steve was right completely. I thought Palace were flaky. I think you look at that midfield. And it's very attack minded. Apart from Milovojevic, they haven't got really any Who can't holding... Run. No, exactly. And you've got any hold of a fielder. And when Slanton did you know, manage to string a few passes together, they could get you know, break beyond w- with ease, really, you know, with Rebo and Stuart Armstrong getting in, in between the lines. So I just thought Slanton was just completely void of anything in that first half. And even though it was nil-nil for half an hour, it just felt like they were 2 3 nil down just by the atmosphere, you know. And I think even the fans felt that as well, you know, watching it. So it wasn't good. And they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And I know we're going to point to Shea Adams for, you know, missing them. And of course, he has to shoulder some of the burden. But ultimately, if you don't have that first half performance, you, you're in at nil-nil or, you know, even Shea Adams scores in that first half, he hits the post. So I think it's those fine margins up front, but you've got to be better in a system. And I think Ralph you know, and the coaching staff have got to be more proactive because everything, everyone saw that goal coming and turned out to be you know, the winner. Yeah. And Glenn, talking about the goal, I mean, everyone was kind of 
talking about the the Zaha Lianko uh, tussle. I know Jacob was talking about it just before we came on air and things like that. And you know, the goal frustratingly came obviously from Zaha winning the ball back from mm. Lianko. I think most of us would agree. Nothing wrong with the challenge whatsoever. And then obviously sets it up for uh, Edward's finish. I mean, what did you make of that tussle? And I, I suppose particularly from a Saints point of view, the goal. Well, it was. I think we built it up as something that was there to be looked forward to Lianko against Zaha because of what's happened in the past with Zaha getting sent off and wound up. But and and I myself was guilty of that as well. But when you look at it in the cold light of day, <laughs> Zaha's a much better player than Lianko is. He's got you know he he's got he's got loads of ability. So if you take away the, the wind up factor and you know would would one of them get sent off? You know, Zaha is a handful and he will make a mug out of better defenders than Lianko is throughout the season. And if you strip away the fact that we don't like Zaha much, it's brilliant from him to, to chase back, win that ball. And then not only that, he's just extremely positive with it. You know, he drives forward, Mitchell's on the overlap, plays it to him, knocks it over. As, as Steve said, because, you know, the modern fullback is supposed to get forward ahead of the ball. The problem always comes if you give it away behind him and that and that's what happened so that's why Elianusi was out of position and then you're all scrambling to get across and and try and prevent the um you know try and prevent the cross coming in and to be fair Salisu was very close to um to you know to get into the cross before Edward as well but uh yeah it's just a shame that um that Edward managed to um to get that one but uh but I have to say it wasn't, it wasn't just Zaha I was I was impressed with Elise and Eze and their their movement across the pitch to, I mean, do you see the one where um, Edward's goal was disallowed? I don't know, he was narrowly offside, but the run that I think it was Elise made, he made a run from the right wing to centre back, uh, sorry, right wing to sort of central areas in front of the penalty area. And you can see Perro sort of trying to pass him on to someone, but he made Saints made a, make a decision with that, you know, with that movement. And it just makes it, so much more difficult is what I was going on about last week about, you know, Saints tend to attack in straight lines. There was there was a little bit more from us in that regard in the second half with with Arebo and Armstrong getting on the ball. But uh, but I thought that the, the midfield, the attacking midfield three for Palace were, were really, really good. And because of the way we played the first half, we didn't get to go at the weak parts of their team, which are Milivojevic and Slup in midfield, which are the fullbacks. Uh, and but we didn't we didn't do anything to test them. I mean, Joel Ward, how on earth is he still getting Premier League games? <laughs> uh, you know, but we, we did nothing against him. Yeah. Really, I mean, he's uh, he's due a testimonial, I think, next year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, forty years, forty years at one club. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so it, yeah, it was dis, it was disappointing goal, and um, I, I think um, yeah, I think the it, it's a shame for Lianco because you really want him to do well, but he got caught out there and um, mm. and that is ultimately the reason we lost the game. And yeah. part, part of the issue with um, with the whole Lianco-Zaha matchup is that like we try and wind Zaha up because we know that he gets distracted. And yet, why have we chosen the one guy in our team who is also going to get very distracted <laughs> by, by this situation? Um, you need somebody who likes playing... I mean, while likes playing the wind-up merchant, is also able to maintain a cool head themselves. That's why mm. Prousey's been so good at it in, in previous years when when he's been tasked with um, with with fulfilling that role because you know that, that Prousey will be able to put, put that out of his mind when he's got to actually focus on the game. Yeah. Whereas the Anko being the sort of all-action, sort of emotional character that he is, 
I mean, it's almost a caricature, isn't it, of a of a sort <laughs> like of Tom and Jerry or something? They're like dangling yeah, the little, carrot almost. Yeah. yeah, but it's it was it was obvious that basically if if he didn't if he didn't manage to get Zaha to react, then Zaha was going to get him to react. Mm. And it, it was just a case of who was going to blink first. I mean, as, as it turned out, they ended up both getting booked in the same, same instant, which, I mean, I kind of thought Zaha was a little bit lucky there because he, he did look as if he stamped on Lianko's ankle, or at least looked as if he was trying to, which I'm pretty sure is a red card offence. But, I mean, you know what? Not the um, idiots in Stockley Park are like. Mm. But it was, yeah, it's, you, you're tasking somebody to do a job where you're kind of expecting them, you're almost expecting them to fail. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. And Glenn, I mean, that's just one away goal now for Saints in five games. I think it's three and seven <laughs> in the Premier League in total. You know, Mark yeah. Marks here, Ralph is getting a hammer in again, but if we'd have backed him in the summer with a striker who could score, we may well have one yesterday. Tom's saying, how many chances do we need to put the ball in the back of the net? I mean, it's not just Shea. I think, you know, all of us sitting here, myself, certainly, no, you know, we, we like Shea, we like his work rate. He's clearly yeah. developed in his time at Saints. But at Premier League level, picking on him particularly for those two, I mean, one or both of those have got to go in yesterday, haven't they? The the right-footed one has got to go in. We've got, Shea hits the goalkeeper from everywhere, doesn't he? I mean, do you remember a couple of years ago at Tottenham where he managed to hit Lloris from like three yards or something when he had the whole goal to aim at? Shea seems to hit the goalkeeper. Adam Armstrong always hits the defender with the shot every, every single time. So we seem to have this this issue. Um, yeah, the first one that came to his right foot, I thought Shea should have scored. The, the second one where Elianusi blocked Mitchell's clearance and him and Che and Aribo worked that really nicely. It was a left-footed effort and it was a decent save, to be fair, because it was nearly past him when he um, when he dropped on it. So I don't I don't blame him too much for that one. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defend Shea Adams a little bit because he's, he's the best that we've got. Mm. He is the best that we've got. And yes, it was a failing in the summer, but there were a lot of issues that needed addressing in in the squad. And, it, you know, we I don't know how, I can't remember how many players we brought in, about 10, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it is very difficult to fix every single problem in one transfer window. You know, you could argue that that was the most pressing problem. And it probably was. So it will be. But it's also, as, also always going to be the most expensive problem. Of course mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Because, Ralph, I mean, you, you Ralph look, mentioned you look, that, didn't he? You look all the way down the Premier League, there's there's very few clubs who have got that yeah. centre-forward that, that, that would make the difference for us. And there's no guarantee, is there, that money will return goals? No. no. no but what's, what, if I may interject, the thing that I find so bizarre is that Southampton were willing to let Shea Adams go in the summer. And uh, despite all reports, yeah. they, had, they told his people, they told Shea that he, he can go. If you find a mm. club with that... You know, come out with the right fee, he can go. And now, as everyone knows, we're relying on Shea Adams to score goals for Southampton. He is the goal scorer. He's the one that seems to have all the chances, uh, clear-cut chances anyway. So I just find the complete turnaround from a guy that was on his way out to now being the guy who's supposed to be this goal-scoring goal saviour a little bit odd and jarring. And I, I, can, mm. I kind of empathise with, um, with Shea. Yeah, I see Saints FC World said, uh, I've seen a lot of criticism towards Ralph again after yesterday. Whilst I'm neither Ralph in or Ralph out, I can't help but feel sorry for him when he made it clear in the summer how he wanted a centre forward. So absolutely uh, sort of reiterating that. Um, just to finish off on the, the Crystal Palace, and do you know what? When I wrote my notes for this, Jacob, it felt like quite a negative question. But after the game yesterday, I saw you tweeted saying something along the lines of didn't seem to have any practice patterns of play going forward most things yeah. were off the cuff as a, as a manager that's been here nearly four years and a match day squad yesterday that most of those players in that squad yesterday have been here 12 to 18 months does it not feel a little bit concerning that you know this is the Premier League it's not the Sunday League that they haven't sort of got those practice patterns of play 
Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the reasons why I can kind of see why fans are so strongly against Ralph, in um, some of them anyway. It's not just the league position, because 16 is probably where Southampton have been. It's that, that I think their regression, regressing with the with the ball. I remember going to all, every game in lockdown, and they were really quite good. I know they had Yannick Vestergaard, who was having this purple patch, but there was patterns of play, you know, players getting into the red zone. Ralph would constantly shout red zone. You know, the two strikers up front would make certain movements that you'd see every single game. I felt like they were really improving with, with the ball, especially when Kyle Walker-Peters came in and now you see this team and you know they could try and keep it tight at the back and then when they're going when they're 1-0 down they just tend to go all in and they have they keep Shea Adams up top and then they have about four attacking midfielders you know even more precious they was playing as a number 10 for the last 20 minutes and they just tend to float and and I don't really see any movements or you know even towards the end I, I think Joe Ariba had the ball didn't he and he barked for Lianco to overlap him I thought that's probably not part of the plan so it just seems a little bit desperate at the moment and they're, they're going all in too early because they haven't got that clinical forward so I am quite concerned with what Slampton do with the ball I know there's been a lot of you know we, we focus a lot on what they do out of possession and they're not pressing anymore but they don't seem to have anything any clear-cut ideas or concerted efforts of how to get the ball from A to B unless you're just hitting it long to Shea Adams and hoping to get a knockdown so I think that's probably the most concerning thing for me anyway. Mm. And just briefly Jacob on that point then is is that something again back to the training ground this week or is it something that's going to take longer it's almost like as you say it's regressed so much that yeah. it's not going to be fixed in a few days. Yeah, it, I just find it a little bit odd. I think I, I remember going to a few games last year, and I I, I saw Salisu take the throw in, and that was one of the first time I thought, okay, he's going back to this pragmatic, you know, percentage football type of football. And yeah, I think it's probably because he hasn't got that quality anymore in terms of Danny Ings, that clear cut striker, and they're trying to lean on, you know percentage football and I don't think Ralph can get that back unless he gets genuine quality in in those attacking areas or Romeo Lavia completely transforms his team again Mm. I can see uh, Senka Tully one saying Strucker's not quite quite Premier League class but uh, neither is the midfield so it does feel like there's a few problems around at the moment look just to to wrap up the Crystal Palace game then that feels like enough of the uh, the negative side of the fence come on then Jacob we all want to hear about the fact that you tweeted uh, last uh, (laughs) night that you were pretty much the last person in Salhurst and uh got locked in and had to shout at security guards. So for yeah. everyone uh, that, that wasn't there or, you know, all of us, set, set the scene. Tell us what happened because it sounded brilliant. Yeah, so I think after the game, uh, Ralph had his press there. There was about 30 journalists there. Um, I was trying to write something <laughs> furiously, just trying to work out, you know, what, what had happened. Uh, time had gone on. And normally it's a steward in, in the media room and they normally say, come on, your time's up, you've got to go. And they'd left by that, this point. It's just me in the room with all this food and which is, you know, I like to, took a few things, you know, drinks, <laughs> cup of teas. And then I got outside <laughs> and there was no one around. And there, every good door was shut, every turnstile was shut. And then I managed to see a security guard in the distance. Well, I saw a shadow, it was pitch black, and I just started to shout, God knows what. And um, he came over and I think he was a little bit angry that they locked up without realising that someone's still in the stadium. So, yeah, I had Selhurst Park all to myself uh, late last night. Yeah, we're going to be coming to you live at Selhurst Park tonight, really, <laughs> couldn't we? So, yeah, but uh, there we go. No, good stuff. Well, we're all glad that you made it out safely. And uh, hopefully everyone that's listening is impressed by uh, Jacob's new uh, microphone. <laughs> I know I saw a note from Alfie saying, nice uh, headset, Jacob. So it's good to know that Alfie's watching as well. But uh, good. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. 
But rest assured, you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football stuff. Look, before we move on to uh, preview the Newcastle game, then uh, we've always liked to focus some attention on the uh, Saints women's team. Um, played Sunderland today at St Mary's in front of about 2,800. Jacob, I know you were there. The score was 1-0 thanks to Ella Pusey's um, second goal of the season. They're now up to second in the championship per table, which is brilliant. Steve, I saw Kayla Rendell had been picked in the, uh, I think it was the FAS at WL, full-time magazine team of the weekend last week. And Ella Pusey had also been... Uh, nominated for player of the week so alongside today's result I think that's four wins in seven games now great to see the team doing so well individually and together yeah I mean the judging by I mean from what I've seen they've, they've been grind grinding stuff out a little bit the a lot of one nils um but they've like looking looking down the the games they've played they basically played the top seven or eight now with I mean Sunderland today was the first game they've played against anybody sort of below that so I think They've, I mean, for them to have been sort of up in contention already shows the shows sort of how quickly they've adapted. Obviously, they had that one game, that opening game at home to Charlton, where they kind of got taught a little bit of a lesson, really. But since then, they've um, they've kind of worked it out and and found a found a way to win these games, not conceding many goals at all, um, which is always a good always a good start because if you're not conceding, then then at the end of the day you can you can win games with just just the single goal, and that's obviously what they've been relying on. I think, I mean, from certainly from watching that game today on the on the uh, on the FA Player stream, they got into a lot of positions where just a little bit a little bit more sort of clinical either with the pass or with the finish um they probably probably should have should have put Sunderland away by three or four but that's that's something that they'll that they'll learn and probably they'll probably learn the hard way they'll probably come up against somebody um not take the not take the chances that they've had and go down the other end and they'll they'll score their one chance that they create and that'll be the lesson then they'll they'll hopefully move on and learn from that but no, I mean it's it's been been an entirely positive start to the season for them, and um, yeah, as 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 you mentioned, good 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 attendance in at St Mary's today, even though it was a um, twelve o'clock kickoff on a on a Sunday, which I mean, it's not it's not great for people, is it? Really, let's be honest. Uh, those two o'clock games are, are a lot more friendly for for people who are coming along. But it's, I mean, as as ever with um, with professional football, it's it's down to the down to the broadcasters and um, the FA. FA player have decided that um, they wanted that to be the early one. So, so there we are. But no, I mean, we, we move on. We got, I think we've got Coventry United on Wednesday, right. Wednesday. Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. Wednesday um, night is to Mary's. Which, right. which is, which, which seems, seems, an, seems an anomaly on the fixtures. Cause I don't think anybody else is playing this week, midweek. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not quite sure how that's um, where, whether we're sort of putting a fixture in to make up for one that we're, we're not playing like a, maybe, the following week or something like that. I'm not. I've not looked that far ahead, but it. Um, yeah, it does seem a bit odd that we're we're straight back into into league action um, immediately. But that'll be. I mean, against the side that have got no points so far, that'll be one that that they'll be they'll definitely be looking to win, especially having lost having lost to them in the um, in that group the group stage of the Conti Cup. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, good stuff. Well, uh, Chris, who I know goes to a lot of the games, says, a great game and we march on. We're in third on goal difference. So uh, apologies, Chris. I know Martin wouldn't have made that statistical error there. So, uh, um, and he said, uh, I think uh, it was due to a fixture clash on Sunday uh, and there's 300 increase today uh, compared to the Charlton game. So it shows that things are heading in the right way. And uh, further good news this week as well, as Starlin Bank became the official 2022-23 principal partner for the women's team. Starling with that uh, game against Sunderland today uh, will now feature on the, the first team logo. Rachel Corain, brand and marketing director at Starlin Bank, had said sponsoring Southampton FC women reinforces Starling's commitment to supporting up-and-coming female football players as we try to level the playing field through equal training opportunities and dedicated resources. Um, Jacob, alongside them, obviously employing, I think it's about 400 people across Southampton. So there's already a connection with the city. You know, really good in terms of now a partnership for the women's team, as Steve mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I think it's always good to have that type of sponsor that can see what you're, you're trying to build. And I think it's perfect for what Southampton and Marion Spacey Care especially are trying to do in terms of, you know, investing in the, you know, the ground upwards, really. Uh, you know, they're developing grassroots teams you know coaches I think that's part of the agreement um so this is an agreement that you know extends beyond just a shirt sponsor um more investment more structure I think what Slampton have done and Marianne Spacey Kale in particular has done over the last 18 months especially has been remarkable not only in focusing on the progression on the pitch but building everything you know the academies the age groups below it it's one of the you know things that Slampton as a supporter group should be really proud of because they're managing to attract these type of sponsors you know Tennises are only going to go up. I think there was about 120 increase in season ticket sales this season. Incredible, and um, it only looks like it's going to grow. So, really progressive uh, work, and I think the sponsor only shows it as well. Yeah, no, good stuff. So uh, great. Well, as uh, Steve mentioned there, uh, and Chris is really helpful. Here. He's saying it's because Saints are playing Newcastle at home next Sunday, Steve. That's why the game's been played midweek. So there you go. It's uh, live info coming to you. Um, but yeah, they're down at St Mary's on Wednesday night. It's again eight pound for adults, and uh, I think two pound for under 18 so why not get down there and uh, give them some additional support with the team doing so well just briefly then Glenn alongside that the B team were playing today as well um, I say the B team it was pretty much a first team because I think Alex McCarthy Walcott Gineppo Maitland-Niles Adozi Juan Larios and then obviously uh, Romeo Lavia as well I know Diallo came on at half time but uh, they eventually beat Middlesbrough 8-1 um, I suppose it was less about the the scoreline I know Sekamara got four Fear got three, I think, but probably less about the, the 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 score and more about some of those players getting valuable fitness and game time. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's always annoyed it's always annoyed me in the past that we've that we've sometimes not used reserve team games, B team games, to give players who are not quite in the first team, you know, minutes that they could do with. I think Sekumara proves the point massively. You know, strikers thrive off the confidence of scoring goals, and regardless of the opposition, he'll be going into next week's training um, for the Newcastle game, a lot more confident than he was before he played today. I mean, I don't know what sort of side Middlesbrough had out, but it's, um, you know, any goal's a good goal for a striker. And it's, it, you know, it's obviously about giving Romeo Lavia minutes as well. Um, you say he played 45, did he? 45, that's right, yep. 45, so that's, you know, that'll, that'll be more useful to him than doing another training session. So, you know, he'll have, been, he'll have been pushing himself in that first half to see how far he could go. So, so it's, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, I, I felt a bit sorry for, you know, Middlesbrough when I saw the um, saw the team we put out and the goal started flying in straight away. You just think, oh, man, that's, uh, that's, that's not great. But, uh, but it is what it is. We are um, a <laughs> top-level sporting club after all. So, uh, so, uh, so there you go. So, uh, no, I was, um, uh, yeah, but I, I was, I was very surprised to see the, um, the, the strength of the side we put out. But I guess that 
as as we've got so many young players that um you know we can do that without mm. breaking any uh, eligibility rules so uh, yeah yeah fair play it's nice i think, nice I to think there was i think there was a little bit of a pointer wasn't there with the with the under 18 side that played because i think all the a lot of the guys who have featured regularly for the for the b team in in recent weeks were all back in the under 18 side that played yesterday morning yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that always kind of gave a gave a little pointer because I, I don't think they don't think they'd ever play any of those kids two two days running these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, if you're going to Middlesbrough be heading back up north with a Theo Walcott masterclass under their belt, then yeah, I mean, if you were being very <laughs> cynical about it, you could say it takes some of the attention away from the absolute shambles that happened yeah. at the Palace. <laughs> It's, it's good. It's good for podcasts that are trying to find positives at the moment. So, yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And we should uh, just to, to end that as well. We should say a very big well done to Tyler Dibbling and Jimmy J Morgan, who both scored two goals for uh, England under 17s. Uh, I think they beat Georgia six two on Friday night, and that's helped them. Uh, qualify now for the uh, UEFA under 17 Euro elite round of qualifying for next year's championship finals I think so well done to two of them so there are I promise you Saints fans positives out there okay to finish up this week a look ahead to next weekend's Premier League visit of Newcastle United um there's multiple different directions that we could take this conversation, but I'll tell you what, lads, let's keep it to the football. Um, Steve, I mean, they've obviously had a great start to the season, thrashing uh, Villa 4-0 yesterday. Um, let's be honest, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, let, let's be brutally honest, Villa are a bad team at the moment and Newcastle are not. They're, I mean, they've got the best defence in the league, I think. Um, Nick Pope has got what, six clean sheets already, so he's justifying the, the money that, that they paid paid out for him. I mean, at the end of the day, Newcastle, while they've spent a lot of money, they've they've actually spent it really well and really sensibly. Um there's not been any I mean Chris Wood is the only one really that's been that's been massively overpaid. But that was I mean they, they reaped the benefits of that just by taking taking the centre forward off off a direct rival last season. So I mean they'll they'll be quite happy with with the, the business they've done and and yeah Eddie Howe's getting them trying to get get them into a into a functioning team and I mean he's even managed to get get a tune out of Miguel Almiron which um I mean I do wonder how how much influence Jack Grealish's uh fairly <laughs> stupid words in sort of on social media have, have kind of led to Almiron sort of deciding right okay now I'm now I'm actually going to try try and be a proper footballer but yeah they're they're a, they're a good they're a good side they've got they've got a very very well drilled defense I mean let's be honest it's an Eddie Howe team so they are going they are going to be time wasting to hell. Yeah. They're they're going to know all of the dark arts, and I'm sure that come Sunday we are going to be utterly infuriated by it. But we've got to find we've got to find a way way through. I mean, we've got basically we've just got we've got to be better. Um, we were fine first half west against West Ham. A little bit un, unfortunate that Fabianski had a had a good game in in that one. Arsenal again could have could have even got could have got more out of that game if sort of if things have fallen for us and and as I said yesterday second half we I mean we could have had three or four um second half fairly comfortably so it so it's not as if we're not creating chances we've just got to find a way of actually putting them in the back of the net rather than straight at the keeper so yeah I mean that's 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 presumably going to be the bulk of the work this week find a way to stop Almiron um weaving weaving his magic be interesting to see if Callum Wilson's fit because that always seems to be a bit of a coin toss, but given that we've got a World Cup coming up, and he's made it very clear that he uh, he fully expects to to be in that team, despite having not been picked for a squad for what two years now, which I think quite a bold claim. Yeah, it'd be be interesting to see whether whether they're at they're at full strength for that. But yeah, I mean that 
let's, let's be honest, they're they're in the top four for a good for for a very good reason at the moment. So it's it's not going to be an easy game. But we have seemed to kind of turn up at home against the better sides this year. So maybe maybe them being um, sort of more on the front foot than they than they perhaps used to be in the past. Maybe that might play into our hands a little bit. Um, but we'll see. Indeed. Well, he's scoring goals. That's uh, one of the few things that he's doing as an Englishman at the moment. Um, Glenn, look, just to, to sort of mention Eddie Howe, I mean, obviously there was pressure on him when he went up there last uh, winter time almost. You know, I think yeah. it's pretty much a year now to, to the day since he went in there. He's obviously got a new contract since then, but, you know, he kept them up. And to be fair, you're looking at that team now, a lot of the players that are in the team were there prior to sort of the takeover. Yeah. You know, I know there's a few in there, but, you, you know, give him credit. He's, he's done a good job. You have to look at players who were there before and how much better they're playing now. Like Joe Linton, Almiron, um, Longstaff. You know, these are players that have been there for a long time. And it goes to show that you improve when you've got better players alongside you. Um, You know, the quality they brought in with Bruno Jimerez, whatever his name is, in midfield. That's that's brought the best out of the likes of Willock and Longstaff. and, and, And he's, Eddie Howe's been very, astute with the defensive signings he's made you know Trippier is an excellent signing wouldn't have been everyone's cup of tea because I think he was about 30-31 or whatever mm. he was but he he wanted him there as a sort of leader of the defence and he's he's done that the centre-halves Shaw and Botman they're a good they're a good pairing and the previous captain Lascelles he don't get a game now so uh, um, I think is Matty Target injured? He's just not been playing, I don't think, has yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, I know they've got the the lamppost playing left back, haven't they? At the moment, <laughs> Dan, Dan, Dan Burn, yeah, Dan Burn. So it's you know it's a it's a good it's a good team that he's built there. Oh, and our mate St. Maximum can't get a game either. So that <laughs> that shows how well Dan they're playing. Mate. So I <laughs> I would love to be able to criticise Eddie Howe because I never liked him um, when he was when he was at Bournemouth. It was just moaning. Him and John Williams were brilliant on the radio, weren't they? It was just like my. God, what is going on there? But um, he's he's done a very good job at Newcastle so far, and yes, he, you know, he he can, he has the money to um to bring in the players that he wants to bring in, but that don't always work for everyone, does it? I mean, mm. look at Everton over yeah. the <laughs> yeah. over the years. So no, can't knock it, and it'll be another it'll be another really really difficult game. But as Steve says, we do, do tend to turn up against the better sides, and uh, yeah, I fancy us to do it again on uh, on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Um, Jacob, look, from a, a Saints point of view, then the, the chaps have mentioned some of the, the key threats. Um, I've just drafted Callum Wilson into my fantasy team, so there's every <laughs> chance, A, that he'll either be unfit or won't score, so that's a positive. But uh, from a Saints point of view, I mean, how do they sort of manage that balance between trying to cope with clear Newcastle attacking threat and trying to keep on the front foot themselves because they're going to need to? Yeah, we spoke about the lack of patterns of play and one of the reasons is, is the lack of any sort of constant formation or just familiarity, really. Um, so, you know, I expect... Armel Bella Kotcha to be back and starting next week so I think that gives you the license then to perhaps go into a back four for some reason Maitland-Niles has not played right back I think perhaps he could play there but then that will depend on whether Romeo Lavia is fit enough to start so there are more options than I've been in recent weeks which I think is a good thing um, Slampton at home it's their last game before the World Cup at home you know Ralph Harson has got to get something out of this game for his, for his sake so we just got to go I keep saying it he's just got to go to how he played how everyone loved him you know, the reason why people loved him, the reason why he got so much success with such a you know 
pretty poor squatting quality. He's got to go back to his principles, you know, because if he is gonna if he's gonna leave, then he's gonna have regrets for not doing that because he's lost his identity. So I think he needs to go on the front foot. Whoever he, that he played at home, uh, he needs to go for it. And hopefully, with Armel Belakot, Jap, and Lavia hopefully being fit, then that will give him uh, license to. Yeah. And Steve, just briefly, I suppose that is the one positive now. He's got a few options starting to come back. You know, if Bella Kotchap is fit, Lavia, you know, obviously he's only played four to five minutes. It's going to take him time to get up to Premier League level again. You know, you can't just chuck him yeah. in necessarily for 90 minutes. But Maitland-Niles is a back, you know, available. There's there's some options there that he can now think this week about trying to put his best team out there. Yeah. I mean, it might be that Lavia is only good for an hour or 70 minutes or or whatever on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry. But I think ultimately, if he's fit enough to play, then he plays. And I would imagine that the same will apply to Bella Kotchap. I think Ralph seems to not quite trust Chaleta Saar alongside Salasu as a two. So especially when we don't have a recognised right back at the moment. So yeah, perhaps Maitland-Niles slots in there, which is not ideal really. I mean, he's, he's shown that he's very capable in the centre of the park and ideally that will be where he'd play. But perhaps that's perhaps he then slots in once Lavia gets removed sort of. 20 minutes or so from the end of the game perhaps if if that's the way we go but yeah have, having having a few options and I mean also having a couple of players who have scored a few goals um albeit against Middlesbrough under 12s or, or <laughs> whoever, whoever it was they were up against um, we'll this, up, um this afternoon <laughs> but yeah I mean at the end they can only beat what's in front of you so um mm. they got they got the goals and hopefully that'll have that'll have done Mara and Walcott's confidence, um, the world of good. I mean, Walcott's actually been fine, hasn't he? The, t- mm. the two the two sub appearances he's made, he's he's come on, and he's he's looked composed. He's not looked he's not looked off the pace actually, really, which is something that for the bulk of last season he was miles off, which is why we weren't, which is why he wasn't playing. But yeah, I mean, we've we've got options, and yet at the same time, there's quite a few of those players that you just think, well, he's going to play him, he's going to play him, and. I guess we'll we'll wait and see how how it all sort of how it goes in the mixing pot and comes out the other side. But mm. I think, yeah, I I don't I don't really know what system he'll go for. Where I I'd be I think now if if as Jacob says, Belakopchat's fit, I'd be surprised if we don't go back to a back four, even though we're playing against um, one of the better sides. Just because I think I think I think we would rather have the ball than not. And and being able to put an extra guy in midfield enables us to exert a little little bit more control over things, and certainly not get overrun through the middle like like we were at times in the first half yesterday. That's for sure. Yeah, Ellie, who's watching on YouTube, says, uh, "Speaking of James Ward Prowse, when Lavia's back, I'd be tempted to put Ainsley Maitland Niles and Lavia on together." JWP really struggling, played every game this season, possibly could do with a rest. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, in terms of the midfield whether that happens. But Glenn uh, Jacobs been stealing my notes there because I uh, I'd had in there that it is the last uh, home game before the uh, World Cup in the Premier League. Of course, they got Sheffield Wednesday at home in the the Cup next week. But important to try and end on a high in the Premier League, and despite the Crystal Palace game, try and build on that momentum from the second half against Arsenal. Yeah, it, de- it definitely is important, and I totally agree with what Jacob says. Uh, you know, we need to um, we need to get something from this game, and we need to go for it. You know, we, ju- we just don't want another horrible passive performance. You know, if we if we go for it and we get in their faces and they and they beat us fair and square, then I don't think many people would have a, you know too much of an issue with that. But it's these games where we you know we we don't do much and we still lose anyway. You kind of think, <laughs> well, you might as well you might as well have. You know, you almost want in one of those games where we swarm all over teams for 70 minutes and then we're just hanging on. I mean, you've got five subs now, so why not? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, I, I just, 
I just I just want to see us being positive. I, I don't want to see us sitting back. You know, we're not playing prime Barcelona here. <laughs> you know, they they're good, but they're not that great. You know, we shouldn't be that far behind them if we if we go in with it, go in positive, and we do have you know if Belakovic and Lavia are back, that makes us a better team. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite hopeful that we can, uh, we can do something in this game. And uh, I, yeah, just to echo Jacob's point, I think for for Ralph's sake and everyone's morale going into the summer, we we certainly need to. But, um, but anyway, I'm looking forward. I'm in the summer, what we're talking about the World Cup. I'm, it's I'm looking forward. Somewhere, Glenn. I'm looking. Yeah, it is <laughs> Qatar. But I'm, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the last game against Liverpool because they're going to have so many players go into the World Cup. We really have to go into them. <laughs> <laughs> really have to get stuck into get them the big time. Yeah, see, many of them fancy it. I'm yeah, deadly serious right. about that because there's not many of our players that are going. So, yeah. so maybe we'll get a nice, a nice little win at Liverpool just before we go away because they're rubbish at the moment. Aren't that's, they? that's one for you and you and Martin to chat about next week, I think. But uh, no, good stuff. Well, just on to predictions then. Uh, Alex, our producer, who admits to knowing very little about football, uh, was the only one to predict the uh, correct <laughs> score from the uh, Crystal Palace game. He predicted them to win one nil, so he got three points. So, uh, in typical TSP yeah. prediction league fashion, he's now joined top of the league with Glenn uh, with twelve points. Uh, Steve and myself are propping up the uh, the table respectively. I can see uh, some uh, predictions coming through already. Uh, Ellie's saying 4-0, I'm assuming to Newcastle. Chris Walker, <laughs> 4-0 Newcastle, not looking forward to it. Uh, I can see my dad's watching in Florida, which is great. Don't think Ralph knows what his best team is. Going to be another very difficult afternoon. Martin's gone for 3-1 to Newcastle. I'm going to get it out there early. I've gone for 3-0 Newcastle. So it's not a an optimistic start. But Jacob, what, what are you fancying? Do you know what? I think the reason why I'm so bad at this prediction thing is that I think I've gone for Saints to win every game apart from Man City. <laughs> but, so I'm going to continue that and go 2-1 Saints. 2-1 Saints, excellent. Very optimistic. Glenn, what about you? Oh, I don't know. I I I I will go for a draw. I will go for a one 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 draw. One on draw. All right. And Steve Steve to finish the uh, set? Yeah, I think a draw as well. I'll go for the thriller. Nil nil. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's just at Total Saints Pod. There's also our website, totalsaints.co.uk, which includes a link to our online shop, Total Saints Icons. We're also on Patreon, where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just visit Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Total Saints Podcast. We have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each comes with its own perks, including weekly shout-outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali and Mick Shannon tiers. On that basis, a big thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins and Matt Hall in the Francis Benali tier, and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hinkston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our rather substantial, and we're very grateful for that, Mick Shannon tier. We're also ramping up plans for some TSP World Cup podcasts over the coming weeks, so patrons look out imminently on how and where we're looking to get you involved in that, as well as the return of a TSP VIP patron catch-up in early to mid-December. My thanks to Steve, Glenn, and Jacob. Martin and the chaps will be back again next week. Until then, happy Halloween. Thank you to all of you for listening and watching, and catch you all soon. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, 
let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.